0: Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 137. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan are with me to discuss who we are backing at the Zozo Championship on the PGA Tour and the Italian Open on the European Tour. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamblerware. You can visit begamblerware.org for more information. And, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit Golf Betting System with... Betting previews with tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter. Uh, Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is approaching 10,000. You're getting there, Paul. At golf betting, 10,000 followers. Slowly vol- but surely. Slowly but surely. And I'm at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. The uh, the Zozo Championship Show has been uh, released about an hour ago. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It is so, so important that we get five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you guys have been very, very good about sending us in some reviews recently. So thank you to each and every one of you. Let's uh, read out one of the reviews from last week. This one is entitled Essential Listen for Golf Punters, Five Stars. It's from Klaus N.M. and he is in Great Britain. He writes, Always my first listen of the week, backed up with thorough online analysis The detail and quality of insights into players, courses, markets and statistics is exceptional. Essential information to narrow down selection. Paul's knowledge of lower tier European tour players offers some quality value plays every week. Above all this, it's good quality chat and banter, especially when Barry drops in. That's from Klaus. Klaus, appreciate your time and appreciate that review. Thank you very much.
1: Yes, thank you very much, Class. And it is nice when you pop in and join us as well, Barry, because it does this nice, nice little dynamic. I think between the three of us when we're chatting about the uh, matters at hand.
2: It, it brings balance to the uh, podcast. I think like two geniuses and one dumbass. You know, <laughs> so it's it, it puts in perspective how good you guys actually are. So I
1: was trying to work out which one was which, Barry. From you. <laughs>
2: We
0: have Sam <laughs> Sam singing our intro then we've got Barry with his banter yeah and his golf insight and then there's us two London based clowns with Michael Caine accents I've never really got round to if you're more Michael Caine than I am Paul
1: That's nah, used to. it's definitely me Yeah yeah
0: could be right I definitely. feel a bit like Michael Caine at the moment actually but with my uh, with my luck in terms of converting uh, contenders into winners
1: no, but Steve, look, you're getting you're getting some uh, some each way returns and for these weeks where you're close um but don't quite get the winner, to keep the PL ticking over, to keep your to keep your profit and going in the right direction is the right thing to do. It's you know, I don't mean you can can argue with what did you get full place on um, uh, Neiman last week, didn't you?
0: Sixty six to one and a part yeah. place on Bubba at yeah, 100 to 1. half a
1: place on Bubba. And uh, yeah, you know, there or thereabouts, it just didn't quite happen for Xander um, right at the business end of proceedings last week. It's uh, it's not easy to win, is it? Even for a player like Xander, it's not easy to win.
0: In the racing post, they're, they're banging up five points each way on players like Justin Thomas, aren't they? And getting like a, 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 I don't know, what would it be? Like a two, something odd return on your each way punt. Mm, yeah. I can't I'm struggling to back players 12 anything shorter than 12s each way even 14s Mm. is a stretch
1: yeah it depends on the scenario doesn't it and it depends on how you've structured that particular week's staking plan and if you've gone big on a couple of players then you can just about manage it but um, yeah yeah I know uh, everyone's got their own ideas haven't they you know there's been plenty of discussion about this on the Facebook group in the past, and uh, you know I know a number of punters won't go each way on anything less than fifty to one. That's the kind of their borderline, and anything below that is um, is a win only. Um, you know a lot of people bet on the exchanges only and, uh, and and use that as a win only option as well, um, which is great if you're backing certain types of players who are more predisposed to winning um, and maybe not placing. Whereas you know if you, you play it a different way, we we often try and pick out a bit of value. And, you know, each-way place on a 150 or 200 to one shot is um, is as good as a win in a lot of cases. So, um, plenty of ways to skin this cat.
0: Jason Cokerag at Shadow Creek—that was his maiden PGA Tour victory. He was a MGM Resort ambassador, uh, and there were—I f- think I counted. Because some somebody tweeted me a link to the web page overnight today. And there was about five players on there in last week's field that were all MGM Resort sponsored. Mm. So you'd guess they'd all played Silver Shadow Creek a chunk yeah, of time. Yeah. It came out, didn't it, that he'd played it 20 to 25 times uh, during his victory
2: kind of interview. Some that d- would have been useful information <laughs> been useful. before the tournament, Jason. <laughs>
0: Especially when you're ranking, he's ranking in, in my eight-week top 10 for strokes going total. So he was in the top 10 for current form going into that event. You'd have loved to have read that he'd played it 20, 25 times and loved the golf course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I visit gonna- there with my mum and dad quite regularly, I think was another quote I read.
1: He still had to find his putter though, didn't he? And uh, he did find. Why wow, did
2: he find a putter? Oh my god! <laughs> Phenomenal! What a like! What a! What a pulling together of all the aspects of his game. I mean, the the long game looked so solid, just striping stuff. And then, yeah, throw that ridiculously hot putter in on top of it. It's no wonder, Xander. Uh, you know the pressure just built up that little bit too much. And it was that drive on 16 that was his undoing, you know, up until then, yeah. just, sta- you know, stepping up and hitting brilliant shots uh, all the time when he was chasing down Kograk and, and couldn't afford to miss. Yeah. He finally got level with him and then, you know, hit a poor one and tried to go for the miracle recovery or, you know, get a, maybe get a bit too much out of the recovery shot and put himself in that bad spot in a couple of bad spots. So, yeah. gotta give well, credit to crack though I mean just when it, when it was re, when the pressure was really turned on like particularly the last few I mean it was there all day but the last few holes he had quality shots so yeah, hats off to the guy could win
1: yeah although to be fair you look at Saturday's round and Zander uh, could have been outside couldn't he you know he's, mm. he, he was in a fantastic position heading into the weekend and um, I don't know what low price he hit actually on on, on Friday night, Saturday morning, but he would have been uh, been the short price favourite by by quite a distance, I imagine. And uh, that Saturday round didn't really um, wasn't really expected. I didn't expect it. I know, clearly you'd had him back, Steve. So he must have been pulling your hair out. But um, he, yeah, yeah, I don't think won, he'd really. ever
0: led on the PGA Tour. When I went back and looked at all of his wins, they'd all come from. I think minimum was two, back to five shots when he won at um, that Tournament of Champions the last time, which was the start of 2019. He was five shots down. And when you looked at his wins, it would have been a situation where he would built up a good head of steam on the Saturday. He'd been even further back, great round Saturday, and then he just kept that momentum going on Sunday. And he, and he said in a post round interview on Saturday, which I must say the reporter must have been really brave getting him in to talk to him because he was clearly <laughs> not very happy. Yeah. Um, he, he said that, you know, it's only the likes of Dustin Johnson that can go on to, you know, can build up a lead of two, three, four shots on a Friday and then just keep pushing forward. He said, I couldn't, ha-, you know, basically he said he couldn't handle that mentally and had never done it before. And then, of course, yeah. Sunday comes along. He's the hunter, not the hunted, with Russell Henley three clear. And all of a sudden, he starts playing like Xander again.
1: Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's, bad, it's, it's mad very, how very, this, very
0: Ricky Fowler-esque, I thought. <laughs> very it Ricky is mad how this game
1: affects these players mentally. And he, he, yeah. it's difficult to... You know, you, you've got to remember, he's still, still a young guy, Xander. He's still yeah. relatively... Inexperienced. Um, He's relatively inexperienced, you know, despite the wins that he's got and despite the high-profile wins he have got and the elevated position he's in the world rankings, he's, uh, he's still learning the game and that much is still clear from from what you've just described then.
0: Barry always says that winning is hard. And, we, and we're now in a situation, especially as golf punters, where you expect a John Rahm, a Colin Morikawa, you know, a uh, Matthew Wolfe. They're so good, these youngsters. They're just going to roll off wins when they get into the lead. You know, even a Zander who's now, what, fourth, fourth or fifth year on tour? And he, and he admitted, I've you know, this was a new experience for me and I didn't cope with it very well. Yeah. Always learning these guys. And they're not machines, are they? As we keep saying, there isn't a strokes gained mental kind of statistic out there. But yes, Xander's close, isn't he? But, you know, you look at the betting this week. John Rahm, 10 to 1 favourite. And Xander is joint favourite of a lot of books right now. Xander. Joint favourite with John Rahm. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's, he's the highest price on high, highest salary on DraftKings as well. So clearly a very fancy player this week. But uh, um, you know, you have talked, you know, you talked about him being a you know almost a Matt Couture-esque type player who's going to end up getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And when he eventually does win, and it's such a prohibitively short price. It's um, you know, you've you've lost a lot of money trying to back him in that process. If you've stuck with him,
0: that is tongue in cheek.
1: No, no, that I'm not, I'm not saying that that. he's Matt <laughs>
0: Kuchar, by the way. Before I get a, no, a, a no, torrent no. of abuse on Twitter <laughs> and uh, in the comments box on, you. but some
1: some of these players, some of these players do need or do you know do visibly build up to to these big performances and wins and. That's all very well for them, but from a betting perspective, um, you're getting absolutely no return on, um, you know, sticking with them for that period of time as they're getting closer and closer and just missing out some weeks.
0: Well, let's translate this to the Masters, Paul. Right now, I'm looking at the Masters betting. Deshambo best price, nine to one. He's as short as sevens. Rory McIlroy eleven to one. I just cannot ever get my head around Rory and his prices. Uh, they're not realistic at all. Rahm at twelves. Dustin Johnson at 12s, Justin Thomas at 14s, and Xander, best price, 16 to 1. Brooks Kepka walking around on one knee, 20 to 1. Mm. That's your betting market right now for the Masters in three weeks' time.
1: Yeah, and it will shift and it will get more aggressive as the bookies extend their places and, and try and make their proposition more attractive. But. Uh, yeah, there's not a great deal of value there at the top end is there. And That, that will shift around again. There's another class, classy field this week and a lot of those players at the top end of the um, the market will play this week. And I, I guess quite a few of them won't actually play now until the Masters after this. So. No,
0: this will be their last event. They're not going to play Bermuda next week. And um, I doubt if many are going to go to this new golf course in Houston. Although I did no, see some visuals I need to find them on Twitter again, because I kind of saw them and then forgot about them. There was a, a golf report that visited that new Houston golf course,
2: mm. and it
0: had loads and loads of shaved shaved runoff areas around the green complexes. So it's clearly a course that's kind of, kind of trying to mimic Augusta in some shape or yeah. form.
1: Well, this is what they always tried to do, didn't they, in some shape or form? Get the guys um, prepared for what the uh, task at hand is going to be the following week.
0: We did mention in the build-up to the U.S. Open a few weeks ago that fifty to one was available on Bubba Watson to win the Masters, and that is long, long gone. Fort is out there right now. Striking the ball very well, Bubba. Best isn't isn't it? in the world at the moment in terms of his ball striking, really. What
2: That's what thought? made that his start to the tournament a little bit of a. Confusing thing. I was about to like throw some uh, abuse at you through Skype, Steve, about Bubba Watson's start. But uh, he, he came back very strong through yeah, the, uh, the event. It
0: was gusting 20 miles an hour and on Thursday. And as soon as that wind mm. disappeared, all of a sudden, front nine, Bubba did nothing again, did he? And then it, his whole score was built not over 54 holes. It was basically built over 45 holes. Because he went cra- he went nuts Friday on one of the I think he said it was the it was always the front nine because in an interview he said he struggled with the back nine because the holes just didn't didn't help his shot shapes whatsoever. But he was he just basically made his score over forty five holes at the weekend, Bubba. Mm-hmm. And boy were they they were forty five good holes. Yeah. Got a little bit tight I think on the way in, but then Rory McElroy, who he was playing with, just blew up big style, didn't mm-hmm. he? Rory went, was it bogey, double bogey? And Bubba was in the same group as him and just made pars and then birded the last and nicked the each-way spot for me. So actually, with Rory playing like a bit of a jerk, Bubba did well to actually sort of just play, hang around par golf. Mm. On the, yeah, it's on not, the not exactly
1: uh, boosting momentum in a group when you've got, uh, got someone going backwards like
0: that. What about... Um, what about the uh, Scottish Championship, Paul? Adrian Otegi.
1: Yeah, yeah. we well, talk about Kokrak's putting. Otegi's putting was absolutely incredible on Sunday. Um, I, I I looked at after his round um, on Thursday. He shot 10-under on Thursday. Mm. And um, I really fancied him for this week coming. Um, and You know, was rather hoping that he would uh, kind of just drift away and maybe finish 12th or 15th or 22nd or something like that and stay under the radar a little bit. Because um, he's he's won on a course by the same designer as this week, historically, I take you. Um, but he didn't do that, did he? <laughs> he did. Drop water for couple of days and, uh, no, he dropped water for a couple of days and then came back and produced an incredible nine-under round on Sunday. Um, and that, I think Matt Wallace was something like two to one on to win that tournament. Heading into Sunday. And uh, he just sailed past him and never looked back. He was making putts from absolutely everywhere. And uh, and Wallace had no answer. I mean, Wallace's long game had gone to pieces on the um, the front line in particular on Sunday. But even so, it still took a monumental effort to, to overtake him. And to shoot nine under to win a golf tournament on a Sunday like that was um, very, very impressive. That was his first um, stroke play, regular stroke play win because he's won a couple of these hybrid match play type events in the past and um, we were on him for one of them i forget which one it was and might been the belgian knockout um, but even so he's uh, yeah very very impressive and um, shame really because i had three guys who were pretty much in the um you know, on the fringes of contention all the way through harrington pepper and uh, and southgate all of them finishing the top 16 in the end but uh, None of them could push on and actually get that place or. Story your really life at right. Well, you know, it's, it's frustrating when you get players that are that close and don't produce for you. Yeah. The flip side is, you know, that the logic and the process you've gone through yeah. is, is push you in the right direction for the players. They've just got to actually produce the goods. It was interesting with Harrington. Um, I thought Harrington played really, really well. He was hitting fairways. For, and literally every time I looked, he was in the fairway. He was hitting fairways for fun. He led the led the, uh, led the field for greens in regulation. He said in um, commentary that he was striking the ball really well. He said uh, he's putting well. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see where he pops up, if and what he does play for the rest of this year, because I don't think he's far away um, from, from winning another golf tournament. And you'd probably get a half-decent price on him. Um, still I'd imagine but uh, yeah it's a shame he just couldn't quite uh, get the the round together the really low round that would have pushed him uh, into the places or beyond but uh, yeah still encouraging still encouraging um, I think you're Alex right actually. you need to Go look
0: I mean I've had po- we've been doing this for 10-11 years Paul and I've had months where I can't even get players across the cut line let alone in contention <laughs> So to get keep getting these situations for you and for me where you've got players in the mix pretty much every week and you know they either sort of don't get you in each way spot or the it gets even at least it, there's a regularity to the process which must mean mm-hmm. that something is being done correctly
1: yeah and as we said before what often happens then is you turn around and you might get two wins in two weeks and it's uh, you know it, with, with the odds that you get in golf, that can make a huge difference to, to how your years have been, ultimately. So um, keep plugging away. Keep the process and uh, and see what occurs over, over the remainder of what we've got left in this year. Now, you mentioned Padraig
0: Harrington, and that's mm. a great segue into the Zozo Championship. Now, you won't hear many segues like that this week <laughs> across any podcasts. Sherwood Country Club is hosting... This week's Zozo Championship. And if you remember, Zozo, uh, they they started this Asian swing on the PGA Tour. And it started many, many years ago with the CIMB Classic in Kuala Lumpur. And then that was a kind of co-sanctioned event that then became a full PGA Tour event. Then they added the CJ Cup. CJ came on board and added lots of prize money and they started playing that in Jeju Island. And then they came... Zozo, who I think are a clothing company in Japan, said, "Yep, we'll sponsor an event in Japan. So they played this at Narashino Golf Club last year. And, I mean, if you were like the chief executive or marketing director of Zozo, to get Tiger Woods in your field and then for him to win the tournament was just like the best (laughs) thing that could ever happen to your company. Utopia. Then COVID comes along. That was a weird golf course. Very Japanese quirky, wasn't it? A lot of the holes had two greens. And they were playing different greens each day. Yep. Very, very Japanese. And you think and then of course, COVID comes along. Asian tour trouble.' We can't, we're not going to go out to Asia. So uh, Zozo still want to sponsor the event, and that's fine they've got to find a golf course in America or on the west coast of America that kind of fits that Japanese logic. And I think they've chosen very, very wisely, because this Sherwood Country Club. Is not, I repeat, not your typical American Parkland golf course. It's a sev- par seventy-two, which doesn't even isn't even seven thousand one hundred yards. Wow! It features five par fives and five par threes, and then I get a winners list. This is a Sherwood Country Club winners list because Tiger's tournament was played here from two thousand through twenty thirteen. Which was a bit of a hit and giggle for the top boys in the in the world each December, where they could all earn a host of world golfing ranking mm. ranking points just for turning up. Mm. And I think the field was
1: was it twelve at one stage, and then expanded yeah, 18, to eighteen, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you're right; they, they'd absolutely. It was just yeah, turn up and get a, so, turn a, up a and jump and jump fourteen
0: spots range. in the world rankings. It was one of those kind of jobs. That was the one. Yeah, you'd get you'd get you get some Lee West, you know, a lot of European tour players. Friends of Tiger would go out there, right? Here are the winners at Sherwood. Davis Love III, Tiger Woods, Padraig Harrington. This is from two thousand. Davis Love III, Tiger Woods, Luke Donald, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, VJ Singh, Jim Furyk, Graham McDowell, Tiger Woods, Graham McDowell, Zach Johnson. Now that. Is quite an ecclesiastic list of winners there. Davis Love twice, Tiger Woods clearly five times, Jim Furick, VJ Singh, who must have been probably world number one at the time, that was two thousand and eight. Graham McDowell twice and Zach Johnson. Doesn't it doesn't shout Bryce and DeChambeau to you that list, does it?
2: No. They're all chess grandmasters when they with their approach to like picking a golf course apart. Oh, yeah. Every one of them you can Every it's just like Pick it apart one shot at a time strategically. Yeah, get themselves to the win. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice a golf course the entire field could in theory compete on for a week. Yeah, I
1: think I remember the um, I I remember McDowell's second win um, because I backed McDowell out that week, and I remember the fight with him and Woods on the Sunday was. Enthralling, it oh, was brilliant. The, of, mm. It was one of the best watches for a couple of hours that i would seen for a long, long time. And that was and when uh, Tiger was at his pomp 2010, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so was McDowell, yeah, yeah. absolutely. US a, Open winner top that top 10 year in the world, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, they, they were hit for hit. It was, it was, it was enthralling stuff. And the Zach Johnson Tiger Woods in 2013 was similar, where Zach chipped in on 18 to get it into a playoff,
1: mm. yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's going to be a great tournament. I, I love this golf course. I think I think it's. You read um, you read player interviews. They're talking about it's intimidating off the tee. I I said to you guys pre show, I I can't think of any other golf course in America that has so many elevated aerial tees. There are so many tee shots where they're playing down from a height to greens, especially on the par threes. Even some of the par fours, you know, they're forty yeah, they're 30, 40, 50 feet above the fairway on some of these on some of these holes. And I can't, for the life of me, Barry's very good with his courses. I can't think of another American course that plays or visually looks like that. No. Comes readily to mind.
1: It is it's a bit quirky, isn't it? I remember one of the holes. Again, going back to the McElwain, where he'd um, he'd missed the green, and the green was kind of in a in a bowl. So he was playing from some really obscure position, um, way you know, way left of the green, as I remember it. Um, and you know, the, the green must have been I don't know ten yards below his feet, and he was you know twenty yards away. It was a really odd one, um, trying to play the shot that he was playing. But uh, yeah, quirky, a bit different, as you say. It's not going to be. A, Run of the mill PGA Tour style track this week, which was is, which is good to see.
2: What's the variety. course? What's the course they play for the modified, you know, the modified uh, Stableford scoring event?
0: Uh well, that used to be they used to play at Montreux, which this is a Jack yeah. Nicholas design. That was but a was Jack it? Nicklaus
2: design. But did Montreux have a, a, a bit of elevation changes, or was it just the fact that it was at altitude that I'm kind of getting mm, confused? Yeah, in I'm not, head here? yeah,
0: I don't it doesn't grab me as ele- it's played at elevation I can't remember the elevated tee boxes or anything
2: yeah I'm trying to get like Chapultepec as well for the WGC yes. that has a bit of elevation changes I mean there's one we yeah, could look at a, good a little bit elevated um, tees there Paul Chapultepec
1: well I think again it's more down to the uh, any of these events that you've got altitude it's it's, it's a similar kind of um, dy- it's a similar kind of question isn't it because you're having to adjust your thinking as to how the Shots going need to be played. What the distance truly is based on the either the altitude or the uh, or the elevation change between the tee and the pin, um, and it adds a new dimension or a different dimension to the to the thought process of these players, which you don't get on some of these flat, um, you know, bog standard PGA Tour style tracks. So, so yeah, I I think it's it's gonna be a refreshing change.
0: Now, this golf, uh, this golf course has also had a renovation since the World Challenge days. Um, it received another Jack Nicklaus renovation, 2012, early 2013. And he ripped out the old um, greens, which were bent poa mix, mm. and replaced them with brand new pure bent grass greens. So that's of note. No poa in these greens, right? And... I don't know. Uh, to me, I always think that some players, in my mind, play better with bent grass, POA mixed greens or POANA greens than pure bent grass. I think it works for like a Webb Simpson, who I am completely adamant is not very good on power. But this week on pure bent grass, that kind of brings Simpson back into the equation. I know that'll please mm. you, Barry. But there's some, mm. <laughs> there's some... I mean, we had... Th- Four senior tour events here, 2016 through 2019, the Invesco QQQ Championship, won by Tom Panice Jr., Bernhard Langer, Scott Parrell, I had to have a look myself about Scott Parrell, not one that was I was okay with, and Colin Montgomery. And instantly I thought, Langer and Montgomery, and it's in Montgomery's quotes that I've put in the preview that are available at Golf Bank System, he basically said, yeah, now this, this is a golf course. I've always felt comfortable on this course. I was too ahead playing with Tiger a couple of times uh, in his World Challenge when he beat me. Um, it's a driver's golf course, and you've got to put the ball in play. I drove the ball well this week, and he said it reminded him very much of European setups, and he mentioned Valderrama. Now, Valderrama, claustrophobic, tight, tree-line, we know that, and there's literally no links between the people in this field this week and Valderrama. But also there were some comments from Langer who again mentioned the fact that it, it was all about accuracy. It was all about picking apart the golf course, demanding second shots and being very, very precise with your irons and with the driver. And that just comes through, doesn't it? As, as Barry said, in terms of just those winners that we went through at the top there, people that can pick a golf course apart. Yeah. And that isn't a trend that you see, I think, with a lot of good players on the PGA Tour who tend to overpower golf courses more than be able to pick them apart. And actually, it's a challenge, Barry, that they're not often set on the PGA Tour these days.
2: No, well, look, I, I think this, there's been a few courses, I guess, over the last, let's say, year when the, the real big hitting has uh, come to the front that, I've thought, oh, yeah, they'll have to play this course this way, you know, and kind of bow to the, the way the course is laid out and said uh, the routing, and they come along and just see completely different things from us and yeah. just take on lines that we don't see. So I'm going to hold back my judgment on whether they will have to play it a certain way this week because you could have some guys that just go, do you know what, if I can carry it 325 on this line, I am going in with a wedge instead of a six iron, you know, Mm. Um. so but th- then again that list if, if the changes weren't uh, let's see I'm I i I'm definitely focusing towards that kind of pick it apart style player or a player that yeah, can yeah. achieve that this week that's kind of to. where I'm tilting towards Um, like I wouldn't be back in Bryson if he was playing this week put it that way even if he was yeah 10 this to, is, 1, 12 to
0: one this is Ricky Fowler and this was last week he said these words Um, I played Sherwood a few times at Tiger's event. The golf course is, I think, very much straight in front of you. It's a golf course that you have to get the ball in play off the tee. Now, I suppose he'd have said the same thing about wing foot. I know what you're saying, Barry. There's a couple of holes that can kind of sneak up and you attack the golf course kind of from the fairway. I've also seen Rory's comments when he's played this in the past and he said he, he called it a quirky little track kind of comment. Which almost suggests that even Rory was like, oh, I can't really do my buccaneering driving here. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But I, I, I'm going for I'm going for players that have got excellent accuracy this week. And if I go back to previous winners here of the um, World Challenge, and I just looked at what they'd done in the season preceding um, their victory at Sherwood. So, Zach Johnson, he'd finished in the top 20 for proximity to hole that year. GMAC, 2012, he'd finished in the top five proximity to hole. Tiger Woods, 09, top 11 proximity to hole. Vijay Singh, a bit of an outlier. He was 41st, but you can still say top 40 proximity to PIN. And Tiger Woods in 07 was third for proximity to PIN in the season leading up to them winning this tournament. I think you've got to have accuracy with your approach shots. Also, I on a lot of the videos and co- content you see on YouTube of this tournament, just a hell of a lot of little pitch shots, little short pitches and wedges into greens, especially on a lot of these par fives. I think it's one of these courses where if, you drive a, if you're errant off the tee on the fives, you've literally got no choice, but you've got to lay up, and it's all about that lay up third shot. If you can really get to you know four or five feet with your approaches with those wedges and just knocking the birdie part on the fives, I think that's an, another angle this week. I really do, and that's where I'm coming from. That's where I'm coming from. Um, I can't talk really about winning prices because we've only had this tournament once, and that was played in Japan. Tiger Woods won at thirty-three to one. Um, I I have got in my preview just some um, basic tournament school averages from those four Invesco QQQ Championship events for the for the old guys, but I mean you know is that relevant? Don't know. Greens in regulation fourteenth, scrambling eleventh. I think you got to have a short game. Putting average seventh. Driving distance twenty third. Driving accuracy twenty fifth. But I don't know if that means anything. You know. I've kind of gone at this with a bit of a concrete block this week. There are players that I know are going to be very, very popular this week. Colin Morikawa is going to be really popular. Two-time winner on a Jack Nicklaus golf course. Half Japanese. The narrative's there. Um, played a very good round last week and then three rounds of pretty much can't putt because that is his weakness at the moment, the putter again. 22-1. to 1. I don't think that's going to be there in a few hours when I go back and look at it. I think Morikawa's going to be well-backed. Um, I think Bubba Watson's going to be hugely p- popular this week. Um, I had him a hundred one this week, and I'm seeing him as short as twenty eight to one for this this week. I just couldn't stomach that personally. Mm. Um, Neiman's on a roll um, again. Oh, I don't know. He's got that world top fifty narrative that we saw last week. Um, he, I think, he squeaked up to about forty four, forty fifth. Has he got the? Has he got the? fortitude to win something like this I'm not so sure Um, I liked him as a 66 to 1 each way punt, I'm not sure I like him as a 35 to 1 kind of really need him to win kind of bet Um, I like the Montgomery um, Langer angle and that has really helped me with two tips this week this guy was 20, 22 to 1 last week and he's basically finished in the top four at the CJ Cup last week, and I'm finding him again at 20-1 to one this week, and that's Tyrrell Hatton. And if we're looking for an accurate sort that can pick a player apart or pick a golf course apart, well, he kind of picked Wentworth apart a couple of weeks ago. And I do see, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, you look at Langer, a three-time winner at Wentworth. You look at Montgomery, a four-time winner at Wentworth. And there's a lot, you know. And Harrington's played well there. Luke Donald's a two-time winner at Wentworth, and God knows how many top threes and top sixes at Wentworth. There's that. There, there's something in it. And you know, mm-hmm. tight tree lined lots of elevation changes. I mean, the second hole at Wentworth, where it's over that valley to that to that green complex from the other side. Yeah. There's there, there's something in it. There's definitely, and there's, there are there are elevated. Uh, um, tea boxes at Wentworth, we know that.
2: I just think yeah, I think
0: Hatton at twenty to one is a must back for me. He's he just playing some outstanding golf right now, and actually, he he admitted it. He was absolutely knackered on Saturday. The the time gap, the travelling, it all caught up with him. And then he's he shot a sixty five on the Thursday, a closing round sixty five on the Sunday. Um, his his numbers last week were off the charts for strokes gained, top for greens in regulation. And I just look at his numbers uh, across the season. Tenth for par four scoring average. Uh, 26th for proximity to pin this season. And 29th last season. Um, and he and he, he just ticks all the statistical uh, boxes that I want this week. weekend. I think this golf course will suit him far, far more than last week.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can argue that he's... Right at the very top of his game at the moment. He's that always been that kind of player that once he finds a bit of form and finds top yeah. form, he can he can maintain it for for you know at least a couple of weeks if not longer. And yeah, uh, yeah again, last week was more about acclimatization, I think, than um, than playing well. But he did play well, um, and uh, I can I can kind of see the link with Valderrama, and I can kind of see the link with um, with Wentworth, you know. And for me, when I look at European tour events, those two will be categorised into a very similar kind of bracket. Albeit that nowadays, Valderrama plays far, far more difficult than Wentworth does. But they both demand a certain kind of mindset. They both demand a certain kind of approach where it's not just um, ball and gouge. It is a thought... You know, it requires some thought to navigate around the track. And I think ultimately, um, that's probably more... The link with this week's t- task at Sherwood in that the track isn't going to be a driver off every tee. It's going to be a way or you know, a thought process to plot yourself away, to navigate yeah. the way around this course. Angle. And some players thrive on that. Some some players absolutely love the thought that they're going to play irons off some tees and uh, woods off others and you know to try and leave themselves in a position where they can attack the pins. Rather than just pick the driver out, smash it, and just see where you land. And um, yeah, in that respect, I can certainly see why there would be a correlation to, to some of those European tour tracks. And yeah, you, you can't argue with him in that respect.
0: I know Tiger didn't play Wentworth very often, but I know he he, he finished runner up at one of those HSBC World Match Plays. One of the yeah, one, yeah. two times he played it. Um, but yes. Um, I do like that. And also Italian open kind of, you know, the, those courses around Milan there, which are all claustrophobic. Um, I, I can see that. And, and Hatton's a winner of an Italian mm. Open as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: The other that falls into this category, and another that might not pop models in the United States for our United States listeners, is Patrick Reed, And a lot of the models out in America don't capture European tour data. And Reid's numbers are far, far better then, probably. Because, as we know, he finished third at Wentworth two weeks ago. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. And his... I said to you, was it before the US Open, it was the reason I tipped him up. His driving at Eastlake at the Tour Championship had been fantastic. Oh, revolutionary, yeah. Uh, first for driving, actually, first for total driving at Eastlake. And that didn't translate to wing foot, although you could argue he was doing enough off the tee on the bait. I know he was scrambling like a maniac, and approach play was phenomenal for two days. But clearly there's a confidence thing there at the moment with Patrick. And he came to Wentworth, and let's be frank, I mean, we live over here, the weather was pretty nasty. It was windy, there was rain, there was all sorts of non-American conditions being thrown at him. A lot of players could have said, I'm getting back on the private jet, missing the cut and going home. Um, But he contended the whole way through. His driving at Wentworth was, again, top, top notch. Um, And all facets of his game were firing. In fact, the reason he probably didn't chase Hatton down as closely as he could, was actually his putting. And I think a lot of that would be the pace of the greens. Because those greens must have been, what, nine, nine and a half on the stimp?
1: Yeah, they might have touched <laughs> ten, but they they certainly want your twelve or 13 to a I guarantee used to.
0: that Patrick Reed was leaving loads of putts short. Yeah,
1: because yeah. you know
0: that just isn't the PGA Tour way. We're expecting twelve and a half stimp greens this week, pure bent grass mm-hmm. at um, Sherwood, and the guy is just playing some outstanding golf right now, Patrick Reed. I mean, my um, I I implore listeners to come to the betting preview and and look at my eight week tracker numbers but Reed, which include the European tour Reed is high in so many categories that I think are really important this week. I mean he's in the top seven for strokes gained approach. Brilliant. He's in the top 25 for Greens in regulation. Um he's in the top uh he's second for strokes gained putting last eight weeks. He's tied with Xander Chauffle just to give that some context. Um he's in the top eight for Strokes gained total. I just think Reed, um, he's a three time, he's an eight-time PGA tour winner. Clearly he's won the Masters. He's a major winner. And that's the other thing. I, I didn't mention this. You look at those winners, Davis Love, you look at Tiger Woods five times, you look at Graham McDowell, you look at Zach Johnson. I know the world challenge is a hit and giggle. There's also a lot of players in there that don't win majors, but major winners have won at Sherwood. Patrick Harrington. Clearly, we've got Patrick Reed, who's won the Masters, he's won eight PGA Tour events and he's also won three of these no cut events. He's won two WGCs, he's also won the Hyundai Tournament of Champions, and he also won that tournament in New York, the Northern Trust, which is a 125 man field. Mm. So he comes to these tournaments and he plays. He sees them for what they are, and Barry mentioned uh, off. He thought that the the feel of the CJ Cup was very WGC like last week. I don't think this will be any different. The feel's just as good. I think Reed will come here and know that he's playing some good stuff, and it, and he's really going to grab the nettle this week. I, I, I Hatton and Reed were just two that were instantly on my team this week. I, I didn't even have to think about them. Mm. Reed was my pick over Morikawa, so if that comes to haunt me, I've got that on record. Um, I think a lot of the, uh, the lot of the value prices have been sucked out of this market. There, there, there was nowhere near the value that I was looking for, especially compared to last week where there were some really nice value punts. The only player that I kind... I mean, he's, he's short for who he is, really. There is a little bit of 50 to 1 out there. But again, you just cannot take away the fact that Russell Henley right now is playing some amazing golf. And if we take this world top 50 narrative and players that haven't qualified for the Tour Championship, because Tour Championship gives you access to the big tournaments anyway, Henley didn't make the Tour Championship. Um, As of three months ago, he was 193rd in the official World Golf rankings. Now, all of a sudden, he jumped uh, 37 spots, I think it was last week. Sorry, I've underquoted that. 45 places he jumped last week in the official golf gold rankings by finishing third at the CJ Cup. And he's now in the top 80 in the world. So again, another top three. If he could win this tournament this week, all of a sudden he's got himself into the world's top 50. And the way this guy's playing right now, he's been playing top tee to green golf for months. Months and months and months. And he's been, he's been putting like Jason Kokrak. <laughs> <laughs> did you see what but I but did last? did he's, he's usually last
2: week. He's, he's usually been a great putter. Um, I was. Well, Henley's game? The, yeah, and then yeah, it seems yeah, to turn totally the other way. Brilliant ball yeah. striker. Couldn't pat for Toffee. But he has. i uh, watching it last week. I was hearing through the commentary that he has been doing some serious work on the putting, and yeah, well, he's going to be pretty pretty pumped to uh, to see the results come out of the uh, the work he's put into it. You know, so yeah, fifty I, to one. Yeah, 50
0: to 1 still out there if you're quick. I've managed to get 45 to 1 and the seven places with Paddy. But if you want a momentum pick, if you want a player that's still got a huge carrot just dangling right in front he just needs one more big week and all of Henley's dreams come true. World top 50, masters invites, all the majors next year, all the WGCs, pretty much in his back pocket if he can get a top. Three or even, I mean, Jason Kotrag did it. Why couldn't he win? And he played some outstanding stuff. One more thing: if you look at, the, um, and this is why I've also put a win-only bet on one of the top guys. If you look at um, the winners here, Davis Love the third, Graham McDowell, um, definitely, you know, Tiger Woods. Um, we've got, we've also got um, Jim Furyk. There is a and Zach Johnson. There was a lot. I don't. I don't know what this is. VJ Singh as well. A lot of correlation with the lower swing. So when I talk the lower swing, I'm talking Kapalua Plantation Course, and I'm talking wildlife Country Club. Zach Johnson has won at Kapalua. Jim Furyk's won at Kapalua. Tiger Woods has won at Kapalua. VJ Singh has won at Kapalua. Then you go to wildlife Country Club, the Sony Open. Zach's won there. Jim's won there. VJ's won there. Don't know what it is. I mean, clearly, it's West Coast. I, I categorise so, um, Hawaii as West Coast swing. It's completely different grasses, Bermuda grass and whatever. But there's a there, there. There just is a link. I don't know what that link is. It's very opaque. It's very oblique. I don't know what the link is. But players that have done well at Sherwood have got great records at the Tournament of Champions, and they've also got a great record at the Sony Open. Henley falls into that category. Patrick Reed certainly does because he's an absolute demon around plantation course. The other one that I just couldn't walk away from, another guy that dominates these no cut events. In fact, he's I think thirteen of his eighteen PGA Tour victories. Uh, let me quote the right numbers before I get shot down in flames here. Nine of his thirteen PGA Tour victories have come in no cut tournaments, and his last five consecutive victories have all come. In short field, no-cut formats, Justin Thomas. He's a two-time winner at Plantation. He's also won the Sony Open. And actually, you look at his numbers, he's a shot maker. He hits the ball very well on his proximity numbers. The thing that grabbed me last week about Thomas was his driving was back. He hit. He was 14th for fairways hit last week, 15th for greens in regulation. I think he was in the top eight for ball striking. And that to me is always a go sign with Justin. When he's confident that he's going to hit fairways and greens on a track that he likes the look of, I think JT, that's when that's when you can grab. And actually twelve to one on Justin Thomas. When you've got Xander at eleven, John Rahm at tens. I wouldn't say it's a value price, but he's he's fourth favourite this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well he's well capable of winning, isn't he?
0: So I went two and a half points to win on twelve to one with William Hill on JT. So I've got I've got uh, Thomas. I've got Hatton. I've got Reed, and I've got Henley. I'm going real concrete block this week. I'm bored. I'm <laughs> bored of not winning. <laughs> I'm bored. I'll be
1: Ill, it. Steve. I'll bored of
0: it. So concrete block. That's what I'm doing. Talor Gooch. That was one that I liked at a bigger price. 125 to one out there on Talor Gooch. Is it I Talor or Taylor? Taylor. I think it's Taylor. Played. Yeah. Played nicely last week, Gooch. That's that's the one at triple digits that I like the look of.
2: Over to you two.
1: Go on, Barry. Uh,
2: I don't know. I, I should keep my picks quiet. They're not being. They're, I feel a bit. <laughs> out, I feel a bit out of sync with the professional golf world the last few weeks in terms of what I'm seeing and what's actually happening. Then after I'm is seeing there, it, so is there anyone at a silly sucks. price, Barry, that you just think fits the course?
0: You know, just kind of pick your way through the golf course, accurate enough. Anyone at a well, similar
2: It's because he was mentioned on the telecast last week about his world ranking and that he hasn't won on the PGA Tour. He's twenty-first in the world and he hasn't won on the PGA Tour. You guys, any ideas? Abraham, answer. Mm. Mm. Yeah, isn't that that's astonishing? He can get to twenty-first in the world without winning.
1: I mean, yeah, it shows. Well,
2: it shows how consistent he is. But
1: yeah. what was the one he won? It was in Australia, was it?
2: I yeah. yeah, back in two thousand eighteen. So yeah. it's been a while. So you know, there's there was a flat, you know, fourth two weeks ago, twenty eighth last week. Yeah, um, he fits a
0: mould, doesn't he? It, it feels, accurate.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, it feels like the kind of place that uh, should suit him quite nicely. Yeah. So yeah. he's Agreed. there at fifty to one. Um, I've put a little bit of a bet on him. Um, sticking with the kind of Latin American uh, vibe, uh, Sebastian Munoz. Sebastian Munoz. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. what's not to He's like? Well. What is not to like there at the moment? Um,
0: He's always overpriced, mate. 90, no one, okay. no one
2: gives to him, one. him any credit, Sebastian Munoz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sup- super unpopular with the bookies, which means uh, he becomes more attractive to me. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, eighty to one. Cheers. Thanks very much. Qualify for the Tour Championship, finishing the top ten. He, he
0: he can mix it. This guy. I was on him at um, Shriners. He didn't do a great deal. We didn't do too much wrong. And then he top ten last week, was it? He, or backdoor
2: yeah. top ten? Yeah, he's backdoor top ten. You know, all parts of the game were in you know in the green for strokes gained. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, couldn't can't argue with that. So yeah. thanks very much. I'll have a, have a little bit of that. Um, I like the Patrick Reed shout. I really like the Tyrrell Hatton shout as well. Um, Kind of a bit, feeling a bit stupid that we didn't pick up on Hatton. Just keeping the momentum going and putting a first-round leader bet on him last week.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, going back to what Steve said, it was difficult to kind of think that he's going to just hit the ground running after... After having just won at Wentworth, and then travelled straight over twelve hours
0: the, from Luton yeah. in a private jet, and yeah, seven hour time difference, yeah.
1: And you know, by his own admission, he, he wasn't feeling best, but uh, autopilot, clearly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. autopilot but clearly, was good. <laughs> clearly, his game is yeah, his underlying game is so strong that he just uh, just went and did it anyway.
0: Fitzpatrick
2: mm-hmm. fits the narrative this week.
0: Would, I just I mean, can't what, trust
2: Fitzpatrick. Why would you, why in any would way, you shape back him before. Because you get yourself all excited and g'd up like he's there on Friday evening. You're like, yes, he's flying high. He's in third on the leaderboard and Saturday comes along and he just vomits. It just seems (laughs) like, it just seems, it's the, it's the pattern just keeps repeating itself. There's something wrong in the mental makeup that he just keeps sabotaging himself when he gets in these good positions. What a golfer, but there's something just not there for him to, to go and step forward and go and grab a title. Yeah. Or even, or even keep himself in the conversation. He just seems to play himself away from that, the high pressure point of the tournament. He hasn't won on the European tour for a chunk of time either, has no, he? No, no,
1: no, no. It's not won anywhere for for a while, is he? And he's had, he'd had an awful lot of very close calls on the European tour as well, but. Uh... You know these second place finishes can start to to grind, can't they? They can start to to wear players down, and uh, it starts to knock their confidence. And perhaps that's the point, Barry. Perhaps his game is actually there. It's just when when he's getting into these positions, it is kind of self sabotage. It's just an, an implosion that's stopping him winning golf tournaments. He'll get over yeah. it. He's yeah. too he's too good not to get over it. But, not for
2: me, not for me this week. Which means he'll probably go on and bloody win. Yeah. Just, just when you think he's going to get in trouble, eh, whatever. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't put money on him,
0: Barry. So. I guarantee you, Barry, that Paul is backing Bubba Watson.
1: <laughs> Do you know what? I've not. I've only backed one player, and um, this is a player I've never ever backed before. Um, Fifty to one, Sung Jae Im. I've, I've never backed him. I've gone through all of my records, and uh, he's never actually appeared in my. Uh, staking list in the past but there you go and third in this last year which is pretty inconsequential really isn't it but yeah, um, I guess you described how they've tried to cherry pick a track to uh, in some ways mimic what they would have expected to be playing over in uh, Japan so yeah Perhaps there's, a, perhaps there's a tiny little bit of correlation there. I mean, more correlation comes from the fact that he won the Honda Classic at a um, Nicholas Design earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, he was leading the halfway the year before as well, so clearly enjoyed the Nicholas setup set there. And I think he's actually playing some better golf than his results uh, suggest at the moment. Um, he led the Tour Championship after 36 holes. Um, he was 22nd at the US Open, closed with a 66 at the Sun and Farms, which is one of the best rounds of the day. Um, shot a 63 in the second round of the Shriners, where he finished 13th, I think it was overall. Yeah, finished um, like a train, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, he finished, finished well with a well. Yeah, he did. A shocking start last week, 78 in the first round, and then uh, improved as the week went on, shot 67. It's the ball striking, and going back to the point you made about him, uh, about players who can plot their way round, but are striking the ball well from off the tee... Hitting lots of greens. And if we take the CJ Cup out of the equation, because he clearly did have an absolute shocker in the first round, which killed a lot of his stats. Going back to the Shriners, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast last week, um, he was first for driving accuracy, 85% of fairways, first for greens and regulation, 88.9%. He was absolutely striping the ball. And he has been, actually, going all the way back to Lake and the events that I just mentioned. He's been hitting the ball very, very nicely. Yeah. Um, his headline results just don't scream that, and I think that's why you're getting 50-1 on a player like Sung jae but... If you can put last week behind him and come back out and play his natural game, then I think he may well really quite like this this week.
0: Korean so, players, I know Danny Lee finished, what, he got in a play, but Danny Lee isn't, he's New Zealand, isn't he? but he isn't a, a Korean-based player. They they seem to gag the CJ Cup each and every year. The Korean guys, but yes, him did the same last year over in. He played badly at Jeju Island, which is his own course, and then he went to Narashino and finished third. Was it? Yes. He's playing some great stuff.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can see him. He's yeah. one of these Korean players that just. It's funny that he plays all of his best golf on. Well, it's not funny. It's true. And it he, he plays all of his best golf either on Florida golf courses that are windswept uh, or on a lot of these tighter past 70s and whatever. So this this golf course this week will suit him. Because, you know, he's not... One yeah. One. yeah. He, he's no, no, he's no. adequate in everything. He's a great all-rounder.
1: Yeah, yeah. He actually putted well last week in relative terms, mm. um, despite the fact that he had played so poorly after the first round. But, um, yeah, we'll see how he goes. See how he goes.
0: So that is the Zuzza Championship. Uh, talk us through the Italian Open, Paul. Mm,
1: yeah, the uh, rescheduled Italian Open, which has lost its Rolex Series status as a result of the pandemic and uh, lost its prize fund as well. So we're back down to the uh, same kind of one million euro prize fund that we've seen for these kind of second tier European tour events over the last few weeks. shorter field as well. um, 114 man field this week. So we had 108 last week, which was a first for me, 114 this week, which is a first for me. And clearly they're adapting it to the conditions and the situation in each individual country to make sure they can get these events completed in four days. So, um, we'll trust that that's the right number and work with that for this week. Um a bit of a nomadic event though the Italian Open and uh, this week takes us to a completely new venue on the south side of Lake Garda um which I'll go through in a, in a few seconds but uh, if you're looking through the history stats for the Italian Open it often does hop around from um, venue to venue so do take that into consideration and this uh, as uh, I'll go through in a second but this is a, a slightly different style setup to what you might ordinarily expect I can, an Italian Open.
0: I can remember a time when you could jump on a tin box and travel and Lake Garda. What a beautiful spot that is. Mm. Really, really beautiful spot in the world. So yeah, is it is it yeah, tree-lined yeah. and it's your usual Italian Open affair, this golf <laughs> course? No. no. nothing like it. Oh? Nothing <laughs> like it. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go through the track in a second.
1: and um, uh, the, the the betting and talk about the the price fund having gone down. The betting uh, puts Matt Wallace as the favourite this week. So Matt's playing for the fourth consecutive week. He had three. He looked really good last week, Matt Wallace. Um, he played alongside Project Harrington for the first couple of days, and I, I think. Um, similar to when Wallace won it, uh, won in Denmark when uh, Thomas Bjorn was watching a couple of years ago in terms of the Ryder Cup, I think that really motivated him for the last for the first two rounds last yeah. week, um, and he played some outstanding. I mean, he was really virtually knocking the pins out on a number of holes. He was incredible, and then. Um, when he got to the business end, clearly he just couldn't keep up with Adrian Otegi. It just, uh, it just didn't happen on the Sunday. But um, I think he's a worthy favourite. Um, that is four weeks from the Trot from Wallace, and um, interesting to see how he goes this week. Uh, Martin Keimer, 12-1. to 1. He's been very close lately, hasn't he, without actually getting over the line. Uh, Victor Perez, 12-1 to 1 as well. He was second at Wentworth a couple of weeks back, so clearly playing some decent stuff as well. Perez... Wiesberger sixteen to one, is the defending champion. And the Evergreen at Lee Westwood, sixteen to one as well. Westwood just keeps popping up and finishing in those kind of top twenty mm-hmm. positions in these well, all of the events he's playing, he's playing some clearly some good stuff without really getting that close to uh, to the end um, or to the top and the business end. of the events um, but that may well change uh, Westwood's clearly showing some decent form Jordan Smith 25-1 to 1. Uh, Wilco Nina Barr Adrian Otegi last week's winner Matthias Schwab Adrian House, Renato Paratori all around the 28-1 to 1 mark and 33-1 Bartho so not a bad field not a bad field at all actually um, the track uses is the Shervo Golf Club I'm, I apologise if I've completely mispronounced that but we'll go with that for now um, south side of Lake Garda in Brescia. It's a, it's a parking track. Um, so it's something that you might expect in uh, Italy. Designed for the tourist trade, Pirelli. Three sets of nines, um, varying difficulty and length. And they're playing a combination which will give them a 7,434 yard par 72. But it looks pretty exposed. The fairways are wide. The fairways are forgiving. Um, And the greens are fairly straightforward. I've read a number of comments from people who've played it um, from an amateur perspective. And nearly all of the comments talk about how wide and how forgiving it is from off the tee. Um, And we do expect with the Italian Open for these to kind of be generally tree-lined tight, but scorable generally tracks. Uh, Whereas this looks like it's far more exposed, far more... um, Again, you know, it's going to it's going it's to reward power, it's going to re- reward proximity, and it's going to ultimately reward putting as opposed to accuracy, which is one of the things you may ordinarily look at when you think about an Italian Open. So, a bit departed from what we normally expect. And again, uh, when you're looking at the history stats for Italy. I would take them all with a pinch of salt this week. I think it could be quite different. It's designed by Kurt Roschnecht who also designed um, a couple of tracks that we've seen quite recently. Uh, Bad Griechbach in Germany, which hosted the Porsche European Open 2015-2016, the Paul Lorry match play that hosted the year after as well, 2017. And he also um, designed München Eichen Ride. It, right. which was the uh, home... It's one of these ones that's on a rotation for the BMW? BMW International. That's a, yeah, the BMW International Open. Um, and both of those are similar kind of styles. They're both resort tracks. They're both relatively exposed um, and they're both relatively scorable. And I think you're probably going to get more correlation looking at the results from those two tracks over the years than you would do from looking at the italian open so my feeling is it's going to be far more aligned with those results than it would be to be aligned with the italian open which feels a little bit more departed um from what we normally see but uh, hey we'll see we'll see how it actually pans out but that's been my take on it this week Um, In terms of conditions, got a sunny start on Thursday, then we've got some showery rain and drizzle um, after that, particularly on Friday and Saturday. So I'm expecting a fairly soft track. I'm expecting it to be fairly scorable. Uh, Temperatures in the low 60s, Fahrenheit's not particularly warm and virtually no wind. I mean, we're talking two to five miles an hour. So um, with a soft track with wide fairways and fairly straightforward greens, no wind. I'm expecting these guys to take it apart, really. And unless something untoward happens, um, I can't. You know, I think we're looking um, twenty under quite quite readily again this week, with four par fives in play. Uh, historically, okay, looking at the Italian Open, let's go through the winners and some prices because it does give us an idea where we might want to pitch this this week. Uh, twenty ten was Freddie Anderson head sixty six to one. Robert Rock won the year after sixty six to one also. Gonzo Fernandez Castaño won in 2012, 40 to 1. Julian Cairn, 2013, 80 to 1. I was on Julian Cairn that week. Um, 2014, Henny Otto. I wasn't on Henny Otto the following year, 80 to 1. Ricard Karlberg, 70 to 1, is playing this week. 2015 winner. 2016 winner was Francesco Bolinari, 25 to 1. That was the week I won my first GPP at, uh, at DraftKings, actually, on that particular tournament. Goes down in the memory. Uh, 2017, Tyrrell Hatton 18 to 1. 2018, Torborn Olsen 80 to 1. And last year's winner, again, it was a. The the more recent ones have been Rolex series. Uh, Last year's winner was Bernd Wiesberger at 35 to 1. What you'll notice from those, um, no massively outlying prices, no massively short prices. Tyrrell Hatton was the shortest at 18 to 1. Francesca Molinari, 25s. Most of them have been that kind of juicy, backable. Mid range level um, that punters tend to like to get involved in, so it's been quite a strong punting event in the past, in my view. And um, all but Robert Rock of those I've just mentioned had a top 10 in his last eight starts, um, and we've actually seen lots of repeat winners in the past at this particular event. Um, I think, again, going back to the comments I've already made on this, that may not hold quite so strongly this year. Um, because we're dealing with a track which is fairly alien, fairly different to the norm with the uh, Italian Open, but we'll see. Um, I back four this week. I mean, the temptation was to go heavy on Matt Wallace. Um, Ten to one is backable. You could almost put all your eggs in one basket each way and be done with it. And um, he's playing well enough to be in that kind of mix. Um, fourth week straight though for Matt. And does that knock a little bit of stuffing out of him not producing the goods last week on, uh, on Sunday? I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. He's, he's that kind of intense player, isn't he? He's that kind of focused um, player that needs something to, to kind of ignite him. And perhaps that Harrington um, pairing for the first couple of days was what ignited him last week. And can he lift himself again? He's, he's inside the top 50 now. We talked last week about him being on the bubble. He's, in, he's about 46, I think he is now. So whilst it's not completely job done, um, that does ease the pressure a little bit on Matt. So yeah, I've swerved him. I've gone a bit further down. I've started my team with Jordan Smith this week at 25 to one. And um, Jordan Smith, right, there's a few players actually have talked about how the bubble has affected them mentally and uh, how it's difficult for them to stay focused for a prolonged period of time with things quite strange and quite odd to how they ordinarily expect it. And that kind of, um, it you know, plays into what I was saying about Matt Wallace as well. Um, Smith struggled at armour. You may recall he was 11 over through 14 holes and effectively just walked off the course. Things clearly got too much for him. And uh, he talked about it. He was quite vocal and discussive, discursive on, on Twitter. And, uh, and, and I think that probably did, did him some good. He came back. He had a mid-division finish the week after. Then he finished seventh at the Irish Open where he led after the first round. Um, and I uh, started to play some good golf. 13th at Wentworth last time out, personal best for him in Surrey. His irons looked absolutely immaculate. A lot of the um, kind of showreel um, shots were from, um, from Jordan Smith in that week. He got a hole in one, he very nearly got a, an albatross on one of the par fives, absolutely knocking the flags out over the course of the week at Wentworth. 15th, at the putting average as well, there, which. For him, is particularly strong. He's not a renowned putter, but with the putter warming, that was his best putting performance for 12 months as it happens. Um, with the putter warming and his irons and his approach play um, looking particularly strong, I can see him going, going well on this kind of track. Last year's best performance was third at the BMW International Open, and that was on another Rosneck design. His one and only win came in a similar style track. It was at the Porsche European Open, but it was not on a different track to the ones I mentioned before. Um, Another flat track. He beat Alex Levy that week, who's another one of these flat track bullies. So, um, again, I think there's a fair correlation there between that week and this week here in Italy. Three attempts at the Italian Open, 21st, 8th and 24th. 8th was um, around Lake Garda as well. It was at Garda Golf, which is... um, about 8, 10 miles away, something like that, around to the um, east side of Lake Garda. So some fond memories of the region and uh, lots to like about Jordan Smith this week, in my view, at 25 to 1. Three others, Adrian Arnaus, who's been absolutely hammered in the betting. He opened a 50 to 1 with Hills. That got snaffled in a matter of seconds. Um, I got 40 to 1. Adrian Arnaus has been tipped by Orton Sundry, by the looks of it. Um, 28 to 1 is the best price you'll get on him right now, it's a, a sea of blue on your fa- favourite odds comparison And He's um, one of these European tour maidens who's got a win in him, but I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. Three wins in 83 starts on the um, lower tiers as a professional, two of them on the Alps tour in Italy over the years. Three runner-up finishes last year on the European Tour. It came mighty close. Third in Dubai this year as well. The Desert Classics. So clearly capable, of getting right in the mix. And um, were different style, the, the events that he's performed well in have all been different styles, different grasses. Some tight, some exposed, some Bermuda, some bent. And mm. um, but for me, this is the kind of track that should really suit him. as a longer hitter. And um, look, he, he said but during lockdown, he lost a little bit of um, muscle mass. He was saying. And um, didn't focus on his game. So he was a bit rusty when he came back out. So he's hit the gym, bolted himself back up. And uh, over the last three um, events, he's been in the top five for driving distance and um, lost a little bit of accuracy with that, even though he's been getting some decent enough results. 23rd at the Irish Open. He was sixth into Sunday at the Scottish Open. He had the field for regulation that week. He's the first round leader at Wentworth as well. But all of those tracks um, aren't anywhere near as wide as what he's going to expect this week in terms of forgiveness from off the tee. And I think that should suit him better. Um, and I can really see him going well this week. Um, as can everyone else by the looks of it, seeing as he's been so heavily backed. But um, yeah, it's um, well worth looking at Adrian else, even though his price is um, dropping like a stone. So if you fancy him, jump in before it gets too much lower, I'd say. At two longer prices, Maverick Maverick Antcliff, the Australian, 80 to 1 off backed, um, three wins on the China Tour last year, and um, that earned him his European tour card. And he's he started well enough, 13th at the South African Open. Uh, he was just in the top 30 or thereabouts at the Celtic Classic, which was eye-catching because he hit over 90% of Greens of regulation that week. I may have mentioned that again on one of the previous podcasts. Uh, ninth at the Open to Portugal, and then most recently. Um, third at the Irish Open and you may recall that week he was right in the mix until John Catlin pulled away over the last few holes he, he was one of those who really did have a live chance of winning that golf tournament um, he's learned a lot I'm sure and he's talked about it on Twitter And uh, you know the, the, uh, the fact that he's learned and taken a lot away from that uh, performance and the experience that he got from that long and straight he hits greens top 20 putting average over the last two starts Given this is a new track for everyone here this week, I think he's going to be at a less of a disadvantage to um, some other weeks. So quite able to take Maverick Antcliffe on at 80 to 1. Then finally, Justin Walters, I've backed 125 to 1, 7 places each way on that particular bet. There were slightly longer prices out there um, with five each way. But I've gone for seven because Justin Waters is the kind of player who is more likely to place than win. Um, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. You never know. One one time, the door might just open for him. And four times now, Waters has been the runner-up on the European Tour. Uh, most recent of which was at the Belfry, a proper roller coaster final day. There, he won it, lost it, made a treble, I think, made a load of birdies, coming back in to make the playoff, and then then lost to Rasmus Hogard in the playoff. And um, which you know, it was massively disappointing for him because he really did have a proper chance to win that golf tournament, but. Um, it yeah, didn't quite happen for him that week. He has got two Sunshine Tour wins to his name. So clearly the stars do occasionally align for Justin Waters and he, he can uh, scamper over the line uh, occasionally, but uh, hasn't quite managed it on the European Tour as yet. Four missed cuts followed that performance at the Belfry, but 16th last week really caught the eye, particularly as he birdied nine of his last 12 holes, produced the same final round score as Adrian Tay, 63 Um, and that was after making par on the first six holes last week on Sunday, and nine birdies in 12, so coming in hot. There weren't any first-round leader prices available when I published my preview yesterday, but he's well worth looking, Justin Waters, for first-round leader punt um, this week as well, in my view. Um, Just going back quickly to those runner-up finishes, two of them came after um, he sadly lost a parent. And both times, both in Portugal, it kind of galvanised his game. He turns 40 this week. His 40th birthday is Friday this week. And as we've seen with a lot of players, that kind of gets the thought processes going. And I wonder if kind of a happier life event this time round might um, push him, um, propel him maybe to a high performance this week. We shall see. Um, tenth in this last year, a Rolex level. So clearly playing Italy in. This is a notch or two down on the Rolex series levels that we've seen in the past. So, so yeah, see how Justin Waters goes, but I thought the price was well worth taking on. So, what was 125 to one? Maverick Ancliffe 80 to one. Adrian Ellis at whatever price you can currently get in, and Jordan Smith at 25 to one are my four for the week. I, Any eye catches for you
0: guys, boys? Mister Arnous has been smashed.
1: <laughs> he has... Bear in mind he opened at fifty to one. That's absolutely—he's virtually half the price. Gee. Virtually half the price. He's been sh- and I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen two or three uh, different uh, previews putting him up as well as me. So clearly, um, there's a lot of aligned thinking with news this week. He's
0: um, the internet punt.
1: He is, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm not convinced that these internet consensus punts have done particularly well over the last few months. But those uh,
2: usually tank, don't they? I've <laughs> been on a few of those uh, group group bets. You know, where the, the everybody aligns to the same version, and uh, yeah. yeah no. I had I played with a, uh, a guy who worked uh, for tailor pretty high up with them uh, last year, and. Said, was there anyone I should keep an eye on? And uh, he he said, our Now. So this was before he made any real rumbles on the European tour. So mm. I've been kind of keeping an eye on him ever since. And cannot possibly pull the trigger on him at that price. You know, especially with the with the whole internet aligned on him. So I'll just keep watching and enjoy if he wins. Like he's he's, oh, he's, Barry, he's good to watch.
1: Barry, you got to be on board if. Uh
2: Paul, just throw yeah. a fiver on him for me and just take the profit. <laughs> like, I just can't. I, I, I could be the tipping point that could ruin his whole yeah. week, you know. The straw that, that
1: breaks the cows back. Yeah, him.
2: that little bit too much money on him. Um, so. Do you know who the first person that popped in my head for this Um, when I kind of was getting a feel for the course was Pablo Larraffabal? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, "Okay, where is he in the betting?" And he's not there. I went, "Oh, Pablo, mate, this course is just going to be right up your wheelhouse because of that BMW. Uh, oh, it's the name of the course again, the BMW. Yeah, course. yeah. Mention Munch- 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 I can again. ride. Yeah. 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 Uh, excuse yeah. my terrible German pronunciation, but yeah. So he's not there, and I know. Yeah, yeah, him and Alex
1: Levy. T- if let if Pablo and Alex Levy, two of my favourite players to back.
2: Lose money on, the
1: well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 they'd have both been uh, backed and probably yeah. lost, but so um, yeah, they they would have both suited it perfectly. Which is a real shame. Levy's playing next, and in fact, Laz- is playing next week as well. They've both just opted to take this week off, which is uh, strange. As soon as I think they would have done well, but hey, what can you do?
0: I listened to what you say intently about the European Tour, Paul. I know that mm. takes you by surprise. And you said a couple of weeks ago that Joost Loughton was playing some exceptional golf. It was, yeah. And that uh, I didn't... I uh, 35 to 1 about Loughton doesn't sound a bad price to me. And he's not in the top 60 in terms of the race to Dubai. He's 77th. So he needs to get some decent results on board quickly or he won't be making the... DP World Tour Championship the big money at the end of the year
1: no no. It's, what, it, what,
0: it, it what, what, what doesn't make Yoast fit for this golf course is well, that his kind of style
1: or no I wouldn't say it's, um, it's it's that I'd say it's more about the fact that he needs to um, he needs to make more birdies than he's, he's been making recently mm. um, he also had a an eye issue with and um, his last start which must have been uh, Wentworth must not it so um, that's right. Yeah, it, it, there's some kind of injury he got. I think at the hotel or, or practicing or something or other, um, and he didn't do it didn't do particularly well in that week as a result. But um, but yeah, there's no reason if he's overcome that, then then he can play well. I just felt that he'd need to. I, I think you're going to need to be getting um, kind of twenty under, and that tends to be quite a stretch for someone like It Just mm. doesn't tend to get quite as low as that. He's more of a you know, a, a 10, 12, 14 to one player in my view. So, but yeah, if he has a good week on the greens, you never know. He's got the a right kind of tee to green game to, to perform well anywhere. really.
0: A player that's not been at all this whole situation, especially if you're like a Thomas Peters or if you're one of these guys that's almost too good for the European Tour but you haven't got PGA Tour credentials... I think it's been a tough, tough time for players like that. One of them that springs to mind is Matthias Swab, yeah. who um, he, he he can get starts on the PGA Tour, but I think they sponsors exemptions. He's got no status over there, and clearly he he, he feels that he's not going to play a lot of European Tour stuff. He's a bit like a bit of a bit of a sort of hobo at the moment between tours. He's way down in the race to Dubai. And uh, twenty eight to one. I see that he finished third at one of those German courses you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Also played top. I think he was third or fourth in the Italian Open last year, Matthias. Swap, and a player that's got plenty of power, likes lots of birdies. Twenty eight to one isn't the greatest of prices, but that that interests me. Also, a player that I think is playing quite well under the radar, but hasn't quite connected yet, is Old or Olsen Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did
1: give him some thought. Also.
0: Yeah. He likes a birdie festival, doesn't he? T-orbit. Yeah, he does.
1: Yeah, and he's, he's previously won one of these at Rolex Series level event at the uh, the Italian Open. And as I said a few minutes ago, there's been quite a lot of um, repeat winners of the Italian Open over the years. So some players who, who kind of like the environment and get on with it and, yeah. and come back and do do the same again.
0: You just don't know, do you, whether he could get no. back into the mix and win or it's. You know, he's. I know that he started really well at Wentworth a couple of weeks ago. He was at the top of the leaderboard for a couple of rounds.
1: Mm.
0: I think it's, things are progressing with or Bjorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things
1: are starting to look. I'm sure
0: the European absolutely. Tour will be over the moon when or Bjorn's having to get interviewed and all this kind of stuff. But uh, we won't go down the <laughs> PR route. But on a sporting route, I think Olsen he, he he's starting to find something, mm. and he's clearly a, a class above a lot of players in this field. If he if oh, it yeah. does connect. Yeah, and what fifty to one or thereabouts? Or yeah, he's he's been he, he I think he opened at fifties by looks, and he's just been brought down to forty fives. So people mm. are sniffing about him. Brilliant! I've really enjoyed your company this morning, gentlemen.
1: Yeah, best of luck, guys. Best Hope of luck to you,
2: week. Tom, best luck to you, Barry. Good luck, guys. Yeah, and all the listeners as well. Let's uh, let's get some winners in there. Um, yeah. Arn I'm all in. I mean, if Arn wins, I'm dead happy for you, Paul. I just don't want to be the person that will kill that, you know.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll thank you next week,
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh No podcast next week. I'm in Devon for the week. As if they don't shut the country down beforehand. Um, <laughs> Good luck with that. So, that they will. Uh, probably Thursday as I'm travelling down. Um, or Friday morning. Um, so, no podcast next week. Uh, there will be full tips... Uh, Bermuda Championship and Paul of course what you got next week Paul?
1: The Cyprus Open next week
0: Gone. it's a new one so Cyprus yeah, but the Open week
2: after we're starting to look towards Masters Preview Podcast yeah. right? Yeah yes, yes. yes. Yeah. week after we'll pull together one of
0: those I think uh, uh, your first look at the Masters So uh, no podcast next week, but full content at Golf Betting System uh, across both tournaments next week for all of you. Thanks for listening. We will see you again very, very soon. Goodbye.